So, you want to be a contractor. Ever wonder what it takes to become a contractor? The journey they go on to get where they are now, or the crazy things they see and hear on the job site? Well, you're in the right spot. Welcome to So You Want to Be a Contractor, the podcast. Join your host, Mike Fisher, as he talks to owners of construction companies from all over about how they got started, how they run their business, and some of the craziest stories they've experienced on their job sites. And now, your host, Mike Fisher. Welcome to So You Want to Be a Contractor. My name is Mike Fisher. This is episode number 30. Uh, first and foremost, I have a co-host now. Ah. We're trying this out. We're making it happen. Uh, Maricela Arichiga, she's my uh, client. Well, she's a client, not my client. She's <laughs> a client. She's a former uh, guest on the show. And uh, she's going to hate me saying this, but she's been on TV as well. So go find her. <laughs> I'm not going to say where. You got to go find her. So uh, before we do uh, introduce Alexia Cooper, who's our guest, um, I want uh, Maricela to to tell us a little bit about her since this is her first time. Yeah. So I did want to become a contractor and I did become a contractor. So I think it's totally appropriate that Mike and I team <laughs> up uh, to host this podcast. I'm absolutely bumming a ride off of Mike. I love, as, as I've told you before, Mike, I love what you're doing for our industry, giving us a platform to share stories, be a resource. And uh, I think this could be a real valuable tool for the people that listen to us and um, some takeaways. I think this is going to be one of those podcasts that contractors and people in our industry are going to come back and be like, what was the thing that they said that they love that they can't live without? So, uh, and plus I am a female contractor and there are some stories to be told and some things <laughs> to share. And I think perspective um, shifts in perspective that it's about time. Right, Alexia? Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, let's let's get into your story, Alexia. How did you get into this industry? How did you get to where you are today? Tell us uh, all the fun stuff in between. Who are you? Who are you, Alexia? So I am the CEO of Bell Solar and Electrical Systems. And I really got into contracting because I really wanted to be the first woman anything. So when I was little, I wanted to be the first woman president, the first woman race car driver, the first woman, just any industry that I could take over, I wanted to do that. And right after high school, I found myself in an air conditioning company and I started as a customer service rep. I rose all the way to director of operations where I just was so enthralled by the opportunity that wasn't really presented to females, especially as I was growing up. Um, I mean, I'm sure we all know construction doesn't look as appealing as it really is. And I was, de I was just determined to be able to share that with all the people that I love. So I left that air conditioning company because I didn't believe in what the owners were doing. I joined Bell Solar in 2017. And the founder at the time, uh, I helped him increase revenue 416%. So I told him, I said, That's hey, I, <laughs> yeah, I said, hey, I'm not going to keep making you rich. I'm either going to go do this by myself or we can figure out something I could buy you out. And he was over it anyway. So he was like, okay, Alexia, let's figure it out. So a year later, we figured it out. I brought on some partners who continued to help me grow. And we've been at least doubling ever since. And it's been an amazing wild ride. Alexia, can you tell me a little bit why being a first woman in anything was so important to you? How that remains in construction? Why is that important? Who cares, right? Tell me. Right. And it, for me, it's really being able to dream big and drive that home. Growing up in Las Vegas helped with that because in Las Vegas, 
go big or go home is the mo- whole right. motto. The I only mean. option. Yeah. The only yeah. option. Yep. <laughs> Usually I end up just going home. I never make it big. <laughs> me I just too. go home. Me too. I just go back to my hotel room early. That's it. <laughs> right. And and I just growing up here, I was able to see how much opportunity there is and how much growth just in the city. So me being a female, I recognize really quickly, like I have the opportunity to be able to influence and change the opportunities that were available to me as a young girl and what will continue to be available to all those after me. So I've just, I'm determined to be able to pave the way and uniquely and innovative and uh, just continue to strive for the best version of all of us because I believe that women are, they rule the world. <laughs> we get to do that together. <laughs> yeah. Can you? I feel so insignificant, right? I've never felt so insignificant. You're outnumbered, on my Mike. Own Sorry. Just sit there and look pretty, Mike. Just sit there and look pretty. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. Can you tell me how that perspective has really influenced your industry, solar, and yeah. your business? So, construction, when I got into construction, it's very, um, there's a lot of ways that are set and, and people don't like to change. So what I've found is that me no, being... No way. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> so I've found that me being a female and then also being so young in my industry, I was able to think about things in a totally different perspective, yeah. which was able to help me increase my revenue and grow a better team, a stronger team with different foundation. And that has really paved the way for everything that's happened for me because I believe in my core values, like to the to the true heart with integrity and and transparency and making sure that we are all on the same page from from all the way from the team in the field to the customer to the office. Having that uh, perspective really has helped shape my business and helped it grow the right way, in my opinion, versus just setting up, you know, and and because in construction, naturally, if you do it right, you're going to grow. But I wanted to grow the right way and make sure that the people were on board with me. Cool. Awesome. Going back to the to the beginning, was there, was there any thought of school involved, or maybe maybe you just skipped over? But I mean, you said you went to that HVAC company out of high school, but was there any college, or was the thought of college, or was it strictly like this is what I want to get into? I love it. You just grew yeah, up so- being like, I want to be a president or a contractor. <laughs> right. right, those are my only two options. <laughs> um, no, college was really drilled into my head with my parents, so I did go to UNLV for four years with a bachelor's in public administration. But I'm very transparent oh, wow. with everybody. I think that college didn't do anything for me. Maybe it taught me time management for sure because I was working at the same time. But I didn't. None of the skills that I learned there has been applied to my daily life. I, I mean, I've learned everything on the job. Um, I'm actually the C2 electrical contractor holder in my company, so I taught all of that myself through field work, through the studying, and I, I'm just the biggest believer that the the faster you learn. It, in-house and doing the job is better because in college, they're not going to teach me real life applications. I mean, of course I learned the numbers behind things and I was able to use some of that, but at the end of the day, me getting down and dirty was the best way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. hundred yeah. uh, percent. And I, and I love hearing that perspective too, because like you said, it, college was drilled in, and, and you did both, right? I mean, that's, that's unique. Um, right. There are a lot of people that just get into it because they don't have many other options, but um, it sounded like you had both and you, and you chose that one of, of the, the, the hard work to, to get you where you needed to be, Yeah, which is, which is awesome. So go into a little bit more about, you, you talk a lot about your people and your, and your, your mission and, and your mindset as far as growth and everything else. But the, the people are, it, that's the aspect I'm, I'm interested in, right? Like how, what is that like? You know, obviously it's different growing up and, and being, you know, one of the 
one of the people under the CEO, right? But now you're the CEO responsible for these people's lives, responsible for, you know, the money that they bring home, feeding their family, putting a roof over their head, all those kind of things. How, to, how What does that look like as far as taking care of your people and that culture that you're um, so I always, and me and my partners and all the leaders in my company are very aligned with putting our people first. So we have a very a leadership style where anybody can go to anything, anybody for help, um, whether it be personal, whether it be work, we're here as a, a, really a family and us being able to support each other in all aspects has changed the entire dynamic. And that's what I found was really different in my version of construction versus other versions of construction that I've seen is instead of having that you know, the apprentice, the apprentice hazing lifestyle or the, I don't, whatever we want to call the beginning stages of being in construction. Uh, we really support and bring in like I offer paid apprenticeships for females to be able to give them that opportunity. And we anybody who wants to learn and is able to be because especially in solar, you're on a roof and in Vegas, it's 130 degrees. I mean, their shoes are literally melting on the tiles. So if we find people who are hungry and they want to do it. We'll teach them anything. And it's really more of a culture fit. So focusing on who we hire with culture versus the knowledge and then being able to teach them that knowledge so that they can grow. If somebody's coming into your business, Alexia, we're talking about talent now because these are your team. This is who you're selling, right? Outside of a product, it's, right. it's your people. What is, what is important in someone coming to work for you? Who do they have to be for you, for Bell? So values would be uh, the transparency and the integrity would be the two biggest ones. Really just being a good person and understanding this is what's right. I stand up for what's right. And I believe in the company mission as well. Uh, mm -hmm. We are all very aligned here. So uh, anytime that I interview anybody, um, if it gets to that point, usually my team will be, able, be like, hey, let's say we like this person and I'll support it. But if it gets to the point where I interview them, I'm asking them questions about what are they what makes them them? Like, what do they believe in? What makes them wake up in the morning? Because at the end of the day, we spend most of our time at work versus at home. And I want to be a part of something that makes people feel good and makes people feel like they have a purpose, not we just go to work to get a paycheck. So having yeah. that um, perspective shift has really helped us when we're finding people. Yeah, that's great. You know, was that go ahead? No, go, go. You go. I was this is way more fun when you guys talk. <laughs> I was going to ask, like, how do you get somebody passionate about solar? Well, it's really that rewiring the world to build a sustainable future um, vision that we have. So sharing the vision and understanding that we're a small part in this huge movement that's across the entire world right now. And everything that we do impacts everyone else. So we also are a big partner with Give Power Foundation. So every install that we do, we donate to Give Power Foundation. And last year we reached our goal of $100,000 and we were able to install a solar system for a ne remote Nepal village health clinic. So people wow. who've never That's seen awesome. power turn on, uh, people who had, they had brand new baby warmers, they had a brand new oxygen machine, they had a perfect facility, have been waiting for power for years. And because of how <laughs> much corruption's out there, they weren't able to turn those things on. So it gives me chills talking about it. It makes me so emotional, but yeah. we were able to go to this village with our team of 11 and really rewire the world. We made a difference in the world together and my entire team was a part of that. So being able to share that vision, share those videos, share those pictures and, and our stories, that's a huge part of it as well. Not only what we're doing here in the community, but also what we're doing across the world. Alexia, bravo. That, that's, I was going to say, that literally just gave me That gave me that chills. Awesome. That's yeah. incredible. I think that, um, man, that speaks, speaks to, so much to who you are as a leader 
and really the oxygen you're giving to to your team. That's bravo. Bravo. How yeah, you, it was an amazing what, experience. What, I mean, obviously there's, I think we'd ideally like to think that we all have that mindset that that's something we want, want to do or would want to do if we had the ability or the capability, but you guys actually did it. How did you, what were the steps yeah. in going through and, and, and getting to that point to being able to actually do that? And, and Alexia, involved? take it in, in a way where you have some contractor out there listening to you who wants to have a social mission, but doesn't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Really? I mean, they just do it. I just found a, a company that we are aligned with. <laughs> I mean, it's not as complicated as it seems. I mean, we just said it. I've never wanted to be, I'm not in business to be rich. Like I'm not in business. The bottom line has never been my thing. My entire mission is to make impact. So when I was able to find this partnership and it just spoke volumes to me and I was like, we have to be a part of this. So then getting my entire team involved and having just the start, I guess, was just finding that shared aligned community and then also talking to them, obviously going through those steps, but then just making the decision to do it. I mean, how easy is it to not do it, but it's even easier to just make the step and do it. So we did that and we got to go to Nepal. <laughs> so, but I'm hearing two things. I'm going to pull out two things of what you actually did tangibly to make that happen. One, you made a decision, right? And first of us yes. to have that social awareness is making a decision and investing into that decision. And number two, which is probably the equally impactful than the decision is you found a partner, right? Because right. You, th there mm -hmm. was a plan that needed to be in place. You couldn't just show up to Nepal and be like, ha we're here. Who needs solar? <laughs> um, right. it's, it's finding that right partner. So for any one of us that is looking to have a social mission, it's having that awareness, making that decision and commitment, and then finding a partner who, who can help get you there. Right. Exactly. Right? A partner with this, the same vision really was what was important to us and being able to uh, trust that our money was going towards our mission versus wherever they decided to go was important as well. So we're really fortunate to have found Give Power. That's incredible. Well, I think, I think too, some people might be listening going, well, I can't find that partner, but uh, my, my, my objection to that would be, you probably haven't made the decision to do it, yes. right? You haven't jumped full in because once you make that decision, and you've that mindset has switched in your head. You're going to become a lot more aware of opportunities and and people and and different avenues to be able to uh, go find those partners. But until you make right. that decision in your head, you probably are missing them and, and not even noticing that they're there. That's exactly right, Mike. I I really echo that. Like the decision comes first because when you decide that you're going to go buy a, a Tesla, you a white Tesla, you all of a sudden see white Teslas all over the road. Right. Mm -hmm. And when you make a decision to have social awareness or to make a bigger impact than just, you know, serving the clients that are paying you, things become more aware. When when I make a decision to piggyback into somebody's podcast, ha ha, I like that plug. Uh, it just yep. it just becomes more real. You can touch yep. it. You can touch it. So that's great. Um, Mike, if you wanted to. No, you're good. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you see how this works? She jumps in and I don't have to do anything anymore. I'm just a pretty face now. Um, look, running teams, managing clients, it, it, it's the lifeline of our existence. But and, and a lot of it can be really good, especially when you have feel good things like a social mission and you get to serve in those ways and make impact in those ways. But tell us what makes your job really, really hard. And how do you learn from those difficulties? 
That's a great question. Um, I would say. It was 100% my idea to bring her on. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Don't let her, don't let her convince you otherwise. (laughs) My job is definitely challenging with the diversity of problems I'm faced with. Never the day is never the same. But that's also what I love about it. I get to wake up every day. And, and I mean, we all know in construction, there's bombs thrown from all different directions at whatever time. And then just figuring out the, the finding the solution together is one of my favorite things. But also probably one of those things where I'm like, it's a Saturday. I don't really want to deal with this sometimes. But I get to make that choice to deal with that because I've chosen to be uh, the leader of these people. And I really do think of them as my kids. Like, I, I tell everybody, I'm like, I don't want kids because I have over 38 of them that rely on me every day. And I, 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 the last thing I, I need is more of that. So really just making the choice, I would say sometimes the hardest part of my job is continuing to make that choice when sometimes I just want to crawl into my bed and cry. Yeah, I, I absolutely, I absolutely, I absolutely see you. But like, what is the thing that makes you crawl into bed, right? Is it a client issue? Is it a build issue? Is it that something? It's combination it- usually. Yeah. So um, yeah. most when they all lately, hit the same time. Yeah. It's usually when they're hitting the same time and there's like, it's really the complaints that come that are a little bit deeper than me. So let's say like not deeper than me, but they require legal counsel. Like if there's a lawsuit or a contractor's board complaint or something silly that's going on in the BBB and you just feel like it's consistent attacks coming, even though yes. we all care and we do what we want. Uh, we let everything we do is in, in the love and the best interest of the customer, but all, yeah. sadly, sometimes that's not always seen. So yeah. then when I feel those attacks to my integrity, where people are literally saying your values are integrity, where is that showing up? And this is how you're not showing integrity. Yeah. That is just being able to separate the personal part of it and, and understanding, well, this was our best interest. I apologize it didn't come out like that, but this is what I'm going to do to fix it. Yeah, Those things hurt in the beginning. And then obviously I get to change the perspective and, and move on. But uh, yeah, it just hurts sometimes when people don't see see the vision that's happening. Totally. Totally. Absolutely. Well, I think that's, I think that's a reflection of, of the public mindset of contractors, right? Mm. Like it's almost like a, a less than situation. You're here to do a service at my need, you know, my request, yeah. you know, I, right. I own you. And so, you know, not necessarily in those terms. I no, you no, know, you're like, right. Mike, but there is that perspective of, yeah. of a lot of clients, enough clients. I won't say a lot. There's enough clients out there in the world that feel like, oh, I signed a contract. I gave you money. I own you. And so I will text right. you on a Sunday morning when you're with your family. It doesn't matter to me. And, and those right. are the things that make, those are the hardest parts of my, and, you know, we've had to learn through the years of how to set the proper expectations, right. And mm-hmm. how to shield ourselves from those types of clients. So I'm going to segue into like, what does your sales process look like? What are you doing to court the right clients, find the right homeowners, um, and set the right expectations so that you're not you're finding yourself less and less curled up in bed on those days. I know what it is. It's Yelp. You get 100 percent of your business from Yelp, right? Those are all no, the good ones. No, I w- <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, really, I would say so. We have a very traditional form of lead generation right now um, because we're primarily residential solar installers. So we yeah. do a lot of call center. We have our own call center. We have our own dar knockers. And then we have also some online ge- lead generation as well. 
But once we get to the point, because there's a lot of stages before it even gets to the operations yeah. side. But once it gets to the operations side, we perform, there's a verification call that happens and a welcome call from two separate people. So that's really our way to vet the customer, right? Do they understand the proper expectations? Do they understand how long this timeline is going to take? Do they understand that we're not promising you're not going to have an electric bill? Because if you decide to bump down your air conditioner to 70 degrees when you used to keep it at 78 because you have solar all of a sudden, what is that going to look like at, at the end of the day? So yes. that is our process to making sure, just really setting the proper expectations, just like you said, because I, yeah. if we're on the same page, it's going to be easier for all of us when it comes, you know, six months later, seven months later, when that bill might pop up because there are some changes in your lifestyle that we might not have talked about. So that's yes. really our biggest thing. And then going along the process and making sure that we continue to update and continue to remind the customer because the solar process in Vegas, it takes it's a while. There's about 19 steps and it can take up to six months depending on on if there's a main panel upgrade needed or whatever little things need to be added yeah. in. And just making sure that we properly communicate and, so that the customer doesn't feel in the dark, but also they have the opportunity to, 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 to bow out gracefully before it becomes yeah. a bigger problem. Yeah. Um, Alexia, I, I'm hearing communication. And I think that that's one of the things that really damages contractors uh, reputation is the lack thereof. Um, yep. Homeowners hate to be surprised and they just want to know. And there's nothing that I've experienced that keep homeowners feeling like they take that got taken advantage of than when they're being ghosted by their contractor. So the steps I'm hearing that you put in was just more communication, leaning on the side of transparency. And I think because that's one of your core values, it's easy for you to like plug those pieces in of communicate on the front end, communicate on the back end so that we understand each other and you understand you have the right expectations. But communication across the board as a contractor, like you almost need to lean on the side of over-communicating. Over-communicating, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Which is why we've adopted text messages, emails, phone calls, voicemails. <laughs> You're not getting away from us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So kind of, I'm curious was it always the um, the the workflow for you guys to control the sales and the install? And I don't know if it's maybe different in Nevada, but in California, a lot of the solar companies either sell or they install. They, it, there's very few yeah. that actually do both. There's a lot of just, you know, door knockers, phone callers, salespeople, and then they hire out somebody that does the install and the install people don't want to work on, you know, that, that marketing piece. So maybe it's different in Nevada, but... Was that always the 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 setup for for Bell Solar and Electric? Yeah. So when I before we before I was able to take over ownership, we had partnerships like that, and I recognized very quickly um, the drawbacks and why it didn't make sense when we weren't aligned on both sides. So mm -hmm. I was really fortunate to find some amazing people who aligned on the sales side as well, and. I offered them partnership opportunities because I wanted them to grow with me and I wanted them to be invested together as a mission. And I wanted us to create impact together. So that was a huge shift. And I, I really know that that comes from me, my age, and also being a female, looking at it differently and understanding that just because everyone else does it that way, I don't have to do it that way because I see the holes and this is how I'm, we're going to choose to fix it together. So it's, that's been all the difference for me because now we have people who are on our side on the front end versus just being handed a deal that we don't really know what we're walking into. Yeah. And from the customer aspect, it, it makes that, that whole process a lot smoother and easier. And, mm -hmm. and, and I mean, you know, that one point of contact that also controls the labor as well. And it, so, I mean, it, it sounds like that was one of those 
conscious decisions you made when you when you took over. And I'm curious what 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 were some other ones? It's obviously there were probably plenty, but going from that that old regime to to when you took over, what were some of those conscious decisions that you made to say this this is where I'm going to change? This is how I'm going to make an impact. Well, the founder of the company was really lenient in letting me do pretty much whatever I wanted. He he was like, Lexia, I see where you're going. I get it. So I was able to make a lot of changes beforehand, uh, really believing in the people. I started investing in leadership opportunities. So we send any team member who is willing to go to Rapport Leadership International, which is a three-day weekend retreat, um, and we pay for it just really so that they can find the best version of themselves and how can we empower them personal and business as well. That was one of my huge changes. Uh, and then also being there for the team consistently and under, because the, the old, the founder, he was a contractor for over 20 years. And I think all of us will one day get to that point where it gets to be a little bit much. So he wasn't really there for the team as much as I, I've showed up. So um, being a resource at all times has really been a shift for them as well. Uh, and then my team and teaching my leadership team to do that also because they want the communication also. So having communication be across the board for homeowners and for uh, the team was amazing. And then also getting into solar. So the founder was in solar, but not fully devoted as we are now. We were more doing commercial work as in uh, like gas stations or uh, airport work, bigger commercial jobs. But I saw the opportunity that was in solar and I, I, reluctantly with my team, we decided to pivot even though, because I saw the benefit of the, to the world, even though there was so many holes with the current models that were out there, I was determined to change the way that it was being done. So that was my biggest pivot and why we were able to increase revenue so much is because we, I basically dove into residential solar and was able to create an entire division for that. Alexia, are you, is everything in-house from your sales process to the installation, you sub nothing out? No, we don't sub anything out. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And especially, and I don't know, I mean, I would have to assume it's got to be close to the same from a labor standpoint, right? I mean, that's that's tough. That's, that's where I go. Like, I mean, wow, I, all yeah. of your labor is in-house. How do you, how, what do you do to, to find, well, what is your hiring process? Like how many, how much are you having to hire and how do you retain? Because talent, the labor shortages is everywhere, right? And I yeah. think every company right. from from McDonald's to general contractors to so like all of us are feeling that burden what are you doing so consistently having interviews has helped us a lot um always Mm -hmm. having people because we've found as we've grown over the years that people want to work for bell and it's really it's a blessing because we've had people watching reaching out all the time whether it's sales or uh installers electricians people are reaching out to us saying, hey, we want to be a part of this, which is amazing. And then we go through our process and we understand, We let them know, hey, there's not a spot open yet, but we'll give you a call as soon as, a, as, it, as a, it's available. But honestly, our retention is really good because we've had people here. I, I have a five-year anniversary coming up, which is amazing. They've been here longer than me. And um, it's <laughs> really because they believe in the vision and they believe in and they know that we care about them and we'll always be there for them. And we work for, I really pr- like prove every day that we work for them as leaders. And yeah. I, I think that's the biggest thing is actually talking the talk and walking the walk versus all those who they might, they tell me all the time. They're like, we didn't really believe you in the beginning. Everybody says that. And I, I always say, I get it. But mm-hmm. after a couple of weeks, a couple of months, they're like, okay, we get it. We're here. 
Yeah. The tangible that I'll take away from what you said um, was always be hiring. Right. Yes, I think yes, that's always, I mean, that's something that I, I follow my sword on. Like I don't, I'm not always hiring. And then you never want to be in a position where you have too much work or you've made these promises and you can't deliver. So right. always be hiring, always be looking, always having those conversations is, is in fact a, a, a powerful tool. Yes. Yeah. And I think that combined with, I think you mentioned earlier, having, uh, you know, your own training program where you're, you're, you're willing to train somebody. So you're not in that position that a lot of contractors are where you are needing somebody who's got three years on a roof and, and, and experience, mm -hmm. um, you know, doing solar, which is going to be hard to find, right. That's, that's looking right. for a new job. That's mm -hmm. good at their job. That's going to come in. You know what I mean? Cause if you find somebody with that kind of experience, there's probably a reason why they don't have a job right now. Right. And, and maybe right. you don't want to hire them. So going back to that, what, obviously that's, that's a huge key to what you guys are doing and being able to bring those people on and train them yourselves. Was that something that was in place? What does that look like? How was that developed? And, and how obviously it's working, but you know, what does that process right. look like for you guys? So really hiring based on that culture and uh, understanding, setting proper expectations and then getting them out there as quick as possible has been helpful. So we have an entire process where, for solar installation, for example, there's a typically it's a crew of four. There's three on the roof and there's one on the ground doing the electrical work. And then they meet at the top where the ridge is. Um, in that circumstance, we would typically start the new person with the three on the roof and they would be getting paid a different rate, obviously, but they would be learning alongside those three people because we have very specific roles for each one of those people. And from there, it takes it depends on how fast they learn. I've, I've seen people learn as fast as two months, three months. Um, we had somebody who's been here for, he was here for eight months and he started leading his own crew. So it's, solar is not, solar is very process-based. So having yeah. those processes laid out and um, properly set those expectations of what our quality assurance bonus is. So another big thing that helps on that is we pay panel pay, which is piecework. Um, and we pay 80% is guaranteed. 20% is a quality assurance bonus. So if something were to happen, a customer calls in about trash, uh, the finishing touches crew follows behind and they see that something wasn't sealed properly or maybe a wire was disconnected and the system won't turn on. Those types of things will take that 20% from the installer. So it really gives them ownership of that job as well. And mm -hmm. having them teach that to the All new right. people continues to, to just give its payback to the customer and to us down the line. Solid. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, so smart. And, and what it does too, I think, um, and, and I'm sure that this is part of why you guys do it, but it creates a roadmap for, for one of those new hires, right? When you bring somebody right. in and you just place them in the middle because they've got some experience, they don't know what it takes to get to that next level or, you know, who's behind them or whatever. But when you bring somebody in brand new, like they can see the steps, right? They're at that lower rate, but they can see like the faster I learn this, I get to this step. The faster I learn that, I get to the next step. And, and, it, and it creates drive and a, and a roadmap for people, a clear vision. Um, for their career that they can see kind of laid out. Yeah. Also the collaboration behind it as well, because have not having the right team out there. And it's like I said, 130 on the roof and your shoes are melting and you don't want to be there anymore. If you don't have the proper expectations for your crew and you don't have yeah. that support behind them. I mean, what's not going to prevent them from walking off that roof. So for sure, really honing in on this is how we do things. And this is why we do things because when it gets that hot, then they're going to see it. Yeah. You know, the why is really, really important. And I think, I, I think that. the, 
the thing that we miss as contractors, as small businesses, because most of us are, I mean, contractors, especially in the residential sector, is we're all small businesses. We're family owned and operated typically, but something that we miss so many times that every Fortune 500 company has is a culture and an ethos, mm -hmm. right? That translates from the top all the way to the bottom. And they, they drill that into the company far and wide so that everyone knows what the ethos are, what is the heartbeat of this, of this company so that when it's 130 degrees on that roof, you know, you're not just doing the what, but you're, 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 you're checking off the why. And I think across the board, whether you're a company of 40 or you're a company with, you know, four, having a culture and an ethos, what is the heartbeat of this company? Why are we doing what we're doing instead of just thinking about it in the, I'm a person that comes and renovates a kitchen. That's not what I do. You know what I mean? Like, I think that is, that is uh, very influential of what you're doing, Alexa. Alexia. Yes. I know it's Alexia. It's great. Yes. <laughs> so going back to the business side from a breakdown, I mean, obviously you made that, that conscious decision and, and that shift to, to focus on, on the solar aspect. What, what is the breakdown now? What is it, what does it look like for you guys from a, from a workflow between that commercial electric work and, and that residential solar and, and how does managing the two work, right? I mean, they're two very different aspects <laughs> of business. Yeah. So we're, we don't even do commercial electrical as much anymore. If we get a job from a existing customer, we'll take them. But really, our 90% of our business comes from residential solar. 10% comes <laughs> from crazy. residential electrical. Yeah, it was almost a complete pivot. I'm working yeah, it's 100%, now. 180 shift. Yeah. Right. It's tough. I'm, it, yeah. It, and finding the different people and understanding the different dynamic shift was fun in the beginning. But now I'm working on actually adding those back into the aspect. So rebuilding our commercial division. How can we implement commercial solar as well into that division? Because it's yeah. a totally set of different set of brains. So mm -hmm. that's what we're working on is expanding in the electrical side again and, and really taking back that that market share that we kind of pause to grow in solar. Do you think that'll be easy for you? Uh, I don't think Because anything. you've been there? Yeah, I don't think it's I don't, I, I guess easy. I don't mean easy, right? I mean, <laughs> if it was easy, we'd all be millionaires. Yeah, no, no, no. But like, <laughs> how tough do you think that's going to be to get back into that after kind of, I don't want to say ignoring Pausing. it, kind of just making that shift? Yeah, that pause. Well, so what I found is for me, it's been more of a mindset shift that I, I cannot use the existing people who were doing that anymore for that because they are mm -hmm. so focused on solar now. Either I need to replace them in the solar side to have them have that opportunity to grow the other side or find new people to grow that to the, the commercial side. And that to me is hard because operate, I, we've always worn so many hats and being at the level of size that we're at now, I'm making that shift that we can't all wear all the hats anymore. No. So yeah. that's been the hardest part, to be honest. But once once that shift is made and once we find the right people, I really don't think that the pivot's going to be hard because we're going to have, the like I said, the brains that are going to do that are, are going to fit perfectly into place. And I, I mean, we've done it before. I know how to run commercial jobs. I know how to do that side of things. So I'm not, it's really just the mind shit of, hey, I can't do everything anymore. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, it sounds like you're not forcing either, right? Like you're waiting until you yeah. find the right people. You're not just... Right. Yeah. And we're very fortunate too, because the cash flow from the solar side, it's not, this is a choice. This isn't a required pivot, right? So I'm right. not rushing into it because I have to, 
I understand that there's a market for it. And I, I, I know that it's beneficial for the business, but at the right time, because we've also, right. I just got my C2 electric. Well, it's not a C2, whatever the electrical contractor license is in Arizona. I just got that. I'm working on New Mexico as well. So, and we're going to Northern Nevada. So it's really um, having, making sure that my focus is in the right areas, the percentage of the time I need it to be, uh, and then still continue to expand the business that's already feeding everybody. So, so everyone's bought into solar. Like no one, there was a period of time at the very beginning of solar and for, you know, the first skeptical. decade yet, yeah. like, what is this? Why do I need these big old panels on my, uh, on my roof? Like the, the sales of solar really it done. We're all convinced it is the future. It is what we're doing. It is what we, we should be doing in a certain point. You know, we need to do it. We'll be, we yeah, will be yeah. doing it. I mean, in California, Mike, you heard the legislation that passed yesterday, 2035, there are no more gas vehicles that will be sold on car lots. Like wow. we're, we're just, we're going battery operated, right? But what are the challenges? I mean, th that's, and that's a huge pipeline of cells that are going to be flooded into your industry. But what are some of the challenges that you foresee coming into solar? Because uh, there's so much opportunity. We could talk about that for a long time. Right. So really it's been, for me, not everybody is as convinced because of the bad apples that have been in the industry. So it's still mm. the wild, wild west out here. There's no regulation and not as much as I think there should be. And mm. with those separate sales teams that are separate from the installer and the promises that are being broken in that chain of command, these sales teams will go and they'll travel to other different states who don't have an installer backing them. They'll give it to anybody, any, anyone who will take their deals. And there's a lack of consistency and there's a lack of upholding the expectations and people are just slamming it together because the opportunity is there. So I think there's actually a huge disconnect in mm. really what we focus on is building that trust again and explaining to people because the biggest thing in our industry is those customers who get undersold or undereducated and they will have an electric bill on top of their loan payment. So nobody is expecting those double bills. So when they're paying $120 in electricity and they're still paying that $250, $300 solar payment, whatever it is, that's, that's hurtful because they'll talk and then everybody assumes that's what's happening. So how we focus on building that trust and that's been our biggest hurdle is retraining and re-educating the population mm. that it's, it is beneficial and that it, some solar is better than no solar. And how can we continue to prove the benefit of that because at the end of the day you're owning your own electricity we're not all married to whatever electrical partner is out there and uh just the like the education part of behind it is what we're focusing on yeah got it sounds like residential so construction <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I mean it construct residential construction has been around for you know years and years and years and it still feels like the wild wild west in some sorts so yeah yeah so right. going to that that education of the customer standpoint, I mean, how are you? I mean, obviously, there once you once you get them in front of you and 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 or on the phone or email, whatever it is, and, and you've got that got them, it's it's probably pretty easy for you guys, or at least to to go through your pitch or you know at that education point. But from a from an outreach standpoint, is there anything you guys are doing, social media, YouTube, video, anything like that, to kind of position yourself as? somebody doing it the right way mm -hmm. and, and putting yourself um, you yeah. know, a little bit higher than some of the others? So we, on our social media channels, we post a customer testimonials a lot. We post team member testimonials a lot just to show the face behind what's happening and, yeah. and real life applications of what's been going on. Our reviews are amazing. Uh, we really hone in on making sure that it's out there 
that you it's possible you can have a $13 electric bill and your solar loan payment and and have that for the entire year as long as it's done correctly. So for us, right. it's about putting that out there, blog posts, um, continuing to put that out there and then using that as a resource for our customers, existing or new, so that they continue to share that with who they know. Do you have a marketing yeah, no, team that does that for you in-house or is that one of the 18 hats that you wear? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a part of it, but yes, um, there's a team of people that work on that Good. and and really working on how can we innovate that as well because a construction solar is weird it's like the weird stepchild of construction yeah and how can we bridge that <laughs> gap and continue to uh, make it appealing because uh it's it is very appealing to the younger generation and and the sales side of it but then also how can we show that to the customers that this is this is different than what we've all experienced before it's it's really cool it's a fun process to be able to explore that yeah, I think one of the things that's uh, um, that could lend yourself that could lend itself to the marketing aspect is the stories, right? Because because sure. all of us see solar, but a lot of us don't understand solar. Like HGTV and like these shows have have made residential construction much more tangible. Like people know what the process looks like because it's on all day long. But solar is one of those Wait, things. What do you what do you know about HGTV? I don't know anything about, about that world. <laughs> But, oh, okay. right. um, Sorry. but look, <laughs> but, uh, solar is one of those things that like, I see it, but I don't know anything about that, but I know my neighbor's experience with solar. I know how it works for them and why they did it and how it's serving them. It is the stories that that's going to give solar texture. Cause it's one of those like space shuttle things. Like I see it up right. there. I don't know how it works, but it's in the, it's in the sky. Well, especially right. to Alexia's point, after so many years in the very beginning of of the negatives, right? Like, I mean, the the solar leases and how what a nightmare they were when when there was transfer of property and then you know the double bills and and all those. So there was there were so many negatives in the very beginning because it was seen as such a gold rush yeah. for for contractors and sales teams um, that it, it's there is a lot of I I, I feel you because I I mean. I'm in my second home now with solar and I use the same guy who does the same stuff as you. I mean, they do, they sell and install and it's been a phenomenal experience. And I tell everybody and they're kind of like, well, I don't know. I'm like, no, I, I don't understand. Like yeah. my bill would be $600 without it. And now I just pay 140. Yeah. And like you said, I might have 10 or 12, 15 bucks every month uh, or every once in a while in the summer if, it, if I'm running the year down at 68, but I get to run the year 68 or 70 if I want exactly. to. And, and it's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's so, that story right there, Mike, that is going to make, yeah. Um, solar much more tangible for all of us. Like what? You could be yeah. six, right. like $600. Now you're a hundred, like that, the very realness yeah. of those stories is going to make solar much more real for all, all of the marketplace. Wouldn't you agree, Alexia? Yes. And I also think that that's the benefit of having uh, the partnership that I have with my sales team and my operations team, because mm. the operations brain wants to go into the super technical side of it immediately. And the sales yeah. brain wants to go into the, the benefits and the story immediately. So being able to have them bridge that gap together has, has been amazing with all of us working together because those stories are super important. And then understanding that there is a little bit of technical advice that we can go into there as well. Yeah. But how can we make it look more appealing and feel better for the homeowner? Yeah. So going back to the social media aspect, are you guys, how do you, do you view that more as a, a branding tool for you where you're, 
um, you know, kind of showing who you are, what you do and building your name or more of a marketing tool where you expect to get inbound leads and phone calls from it branding right now uh, mm -hmm. it's more of a branding tool and also uh, we partnered with a local sports team which has proven to be endless opportunities for us because now our name is literally in people's homes so those two things from a branding perspective has been huge and then we found that then over time we're at front of mind then they come to us via our website or our phone calls or any other way. And it's just, it just takes a little bit more time. The sales process is a little bit longer, but I mean, I'd rather have a better, more educated customer that way than somebody who, you know, might've just came up from the street and doesn't really understand what solar is or what they want. Well, and, I, and I love that you guys are using it that way too, because okay. there's not uh, so many contractors think social media is new, right? So for, right. for the construction and the contractor space, a contractor getting into it that doesn't know a lot about it thinks, well, I'm dumping this money into social media. I should be getting a return, right? Yeah. So people should be calling me and they don't understand. It's, it's hard for them to get, you know, understand that, no, this is really a branding yes. thing so that when you do call them, they know who you are. It's more of resume. A, a digital business card or yeah, a resume. Yeah. So that when you do call them, they know who you are. And if you're using it that way and you understand that and you have that mindset, um, you can be a lot more effective, um, you know, doing it yeah. for sure. Yeah. Agreed. Right. Um, so go ahead, Mike. No, perfect. I was, I was going to, uh, with my really trying to pull like resources, like best practices so that anyone listening to this podcast can just take a little nugget. I love podcasts that I don't just listen to, but I'm like, oh, I'm going to try that. And it, and it makes me a better whatever person, mom, wife, business person. So if I could just like ask some questions and give us what you got. Right. Sure. It's a rapid yeah. fire segment. Huh? A, a little bit. A, a little bit. We, we need a sponsor. <laughs> rapid fire sponsored by. And this is where we go Here to we commercial. Go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Home Depot, Mike. Home Depot. Right. Right. Uh, right. Okay. So what's one resource you can't do your business without? What's one resource? And it can be a person. It's a resource. What's one resource you the can't internet? do your business? Nah. All of this. Is <laughs> <so>. <laughs> I would HubSpot. HubSpot is our CRM and uh, all the data in the world that I have gathered has landed in one place and I can pull really specific reports and I can tell you the ins and outs of who's buying, when they're buying, why they're buying. And that has been valuable because it's Money. linked up to our website. Yeah, it's linked up that. to all yeah. the things in one place. And really, it's just we're getting so much information now that we're able to actually hone in on it and use it. It's making all of our marketing spend lower because we can tap into that now. HubSpot. Yes. Data is king. And I love that. That, that, that comes from the, the youthful part, right? I mean, yes. Not, I, 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 yes. I'm, I'm going to probably put my foot in my mouth here, but like, I, I can't imagine that there are too many 55, 60, 65 year old contractors that have had their business forever that are using HubSpot For sure. right? and, and actually valuing that data. And that, I think that comes from the youthful mindset, which For sure. obviously is 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 uh successful yeah listen hubspot if you want to call us and be a sponsor of ours we're listening um <laughs> at what point in your business alexia did you like i i need to use th this needs to be a resource we need to go out and find hubspot uh, was this implemented day was, one is a day no i i've been through the ringer with crms so um i knew immediately that i needed to get off of paper when i first joined with 
the founder and I was going to say step had... one is ACRM, right? It doesn't <laughs> yeah. even need to be HubSpot. Let, exactly. Let's just let's right. backtrack and just go mm -hmm. that CRM in general is probably your step one. Yes. Right. Exactly. And I went through like Smartsheet. I went through a bunch of different other hubs that just weren't able to pull the data that I needed. So then my um, a marketing team that I worked with were, brought that idea to me and I was like, okay, cool, let's run it. And always being open to the idea as well has helped me a lot um, because whenever people bring me new opportunity, instead of me automatically being like, no, I've done this the whole time and it's working, I always ask myself, how can this make it better? And that has helped. And that's why I implemented HubSpot. Love it. Second question. Yeah. Um, what's a book or a podcast, the last book or broadcast that you, that you recently read that was resourceful that you would recommend? I love reading. Um, I read all the time. I would say my biggest one right now I'm reading the talent code, which is really cool because it focuses on, uh, like focused work. So when I'm getting pulled in so many different directions all day, understanding as long as I can get those two to three hours of focused work, that's going to, you know, outbeat my me drowning 13, 14 hours a day, going home, still working. Like if I can get those couple hours in, it'll, it'll outperform myself. That one. And then Will Smith's book, Will, that just came out. I mm. love reading about personal experiences of people who've gone mm -hmm. through the ringer and who've been able to make it up on top and who also see the big vision. Because me reminding myself when I get into those moments where I'm like, why do I do this to myself? Uh, and, and being able to remember like, hey, I, we have a big dream and I want to change the world. And I, here's other people who have changed the world. And this is how they did it. Really helps me kind of re-energize myself. So I love his book. Awesome. Awesome. Perfect. Third question, Mike. Sorry. I'm, I'm just, I, I know. I love this segment. <laughs> this is, this is amazing. This is great. Best advice someone has given you that you still draw from. Uh, I, I, that changes all the time. Um, I have many mentors that I've been able to rely on my life, but I would say my biggest one is try uh mm. like the yoda saying uh do or do not there is no try so i've used that and it's something that's really taught big within our company is that if you're going to bring a try there better be a failure or a success behind yes. that because there's no try so that i use every day and and being able to eliminate that because you can eliminate that world from your vocabulary has been able so then i can step out there and be like i am doing this this is how i'm doing it versus me saying oh well I'll try to make it on Friday night. Like, no, I'll be there or I'm not going to be there Friday night. And uh, that, that is something that I use every day. Let's, let's make sure that I, anyone. I love that example. Yeah. yeah. Cause I have friends that are like, Oh, maybe. And then we've got some that are like, yes or no. And it doesn't matter if it's no, at least we know. It's exactly right. The it, advice is sorry, do sidebar. or do not. Is that right? Do right. or do not. There is right. no try. Right. Right. And if you think about it in business, same, same thing with contracting, right? So I'm not going to tell my customer, hey, I'm going to try to do this. I'm going to say do or do not because at the end of the day, it's better for me to be upfront and communicative that I can't do this versus me stumbling along the way and then failing instead of just being out flat with no. Money. So good. So good. And the last one. Well, and and it was, most, most of the time, when you, before you get to that real quick, most of the time when you have that mindset – you will force yourself to find a way to do it. Absolutely. Right? Exactly. Whereas if you, if it's just, if it's just, oh, I'll try, then you're giving yourself the option to fail. Right. Yes. But if you, if right. you say yes, you're going to find a way, if, if you want to be successful, you're going to find a way to make it happen in most cases. Do exactly. or Sorry, do not. Sorry. I'm putting that Correct. one. I'm, I wrote that down. <laughs> I wrote that down. So good. 
So if it helped no one else, it helped me. So thank you. <laughs> um, the last one I have is you run a business, you're a CEO, but that's not all of who you are. A lot of people draw from who, your leadership, but who you are at home and how you build yourself and the habits that you have so that you come into this every day with the vision that you have. What is a habit that you do mostly every day so that it's, it's all yours? So I start my day at 2.50 in the morning what? and I get to the gym. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Nope.com. Nope.com. I'm good. Nope. What? Uh, yeah. <laughs> pick yeah. a different one because you make us feel terrible. Let's pick a different one. I'm just kidding. Well, it really, it, it's because that's the only moment in the morning that I can get to myself. So I start at 2.50, I get to the gym by 3.30 and I'm with my, I do 30 minutes of cardio and then I do an hour with my trainer and then I get home and get ready and start my day. So for me, being able to start that early has been, I get to work, I, I'm moving before the move, the world wakes up. So it helps my brain just establish like, here's my well baseline. Before. Yeah, well like before a lot, like four hours. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, my team starts at 530. So it's really not that big of a difference. Okay. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, that, that has been my habit that I've developed since September of last year that I continue to hone in on and, and it's changed my world. Yeah, it's taking that time. The first part of the day, even though it's crazy 2.50 in the morning, that first part of the day is yours. Right, exactly. You're feeding your body, you're feeding your mind, and you're, you're ready for what the day is going to bring. It's not just jumping out of bed and being like, I got to get to emails, I got to answer these calls. Like, you've prepared right. yourself for the day. I, I really, really value that. I think that's super important. Good for you. So the question everybody listening is going to want to know, what time do you go to bed? Oh, yeah. I you shoot for to, seven, I mean, seven. It's got to be like seven p.m. <laughs> okay, I mean, all right. Well, <laughs> I, I've rarely eaten dinner by seven yeah. p.m. So. I'm on a baseball field <laughs> still at seven p.m. with four ki- with three other kids. Like that's that's impressive. Yep, no doubt, that's impressive. Another reason, Alexia, yeah. maybe maybe you might not want to have kids. They'll right. keep you yeah, up that, that real would, late. That right. would screw up your whole schedule for sure. They'll keep you up real late. <laughs> Awesome. Well, before we wrap this up, I, I always like to finish with kind of what, what the vision or the future looks like, right? Like, what is your plan for the future? Mm-hmm. What is what does the next three to five years look like? Where are you guys planning to go? Because ultimately, I'm going to follow up and I want to see if you guys got mm-hmm. there and what it looks like. Yeah. So continuing to expand, like I said, we are just getting into Arizona, New Mexico is after that and up and down the West Coast. And then uh, continuing to share our impact with Give Power uh, we're going to continue to go to the Nepal, and I believe we're going to hit up uh, Kenya because they also have opportunities in Kenya as well. Uh, so just spreading our impact more and more and more and yeah. uh, continuing to grow. That's really is there the a focus. plan for the next uh, is there a plan for the next um, I don't know what you what you would call it, but when, when you went to Nepal, that that excursion or that that give back. Yeah. So is there a plan we, for ne- the next one? Yeah, we want to do this one was a remote village, but it wasn't as remote as the one I want to do next. So it took us two plane rides and in six hours of a Jeep driving on the world's most dangerous roads. Do or do not. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) So this trip, the last trip we just went on was seven days. And the next one I want to go on is going to be 11 days. And it's going to require us to actually trek in. So we're going to be hiking panels and wire and all the good stuff into the remote village that's the next plan is going deeper and uh, in places where cars can't even reach and providing them power 
Are are you documenting? So you know this? you have to. I was going to say, you know, you have to record that, yeah. right? I mean, that's yeah, that's yeah, literally but- a Netflix. Uh, <laughs> you you need to document it. Take a production company 100%. with you. Like, get some guy that's just doing it. Record this. It's it's fascinating. Yeah, I have a, a. They helped us with a video from last Shrek, so I'll I'll email that over so you can see it. Cool. I wonder if uh, anyone in this uh, group would know any sort of production companies <laughs> or somebody that she could get a hold of. <laughs> I'll send you my people. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> no that sounds awesome i i would uh i would i would yeah i would pay to see that yeah that would be super cool super cool congratulations alexia keep going thank you and that that fearlessness that you have for the industry that you're serving and for and repping all the women out there like keep going like i i will be following you and paying attention thank you so much i appreciate it this has been awesome alexia i Appreciate the time. Uh, Maricela, awesome uh, having you for the first time. Uh, I'm not sure if you're going to get brought back, though. I don't I know. know if enough, but we will, uh, I'll wait for we'll, your we'll eval. I'll wait for your evaluation. <laughs> no, this has been absolutely amazing. Love it. Um, appreciate everyone's time. And uh, as, as, as she said, I will be following along as well and, and know that there will be big things for you guys in the future. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. It was a great talk. I appreciate it. Not a problem. Well, stay safe out there, and we'll uh, we'll keep in touch in the future. Thanks, Alexia. Do or do not. <laughs> hey, thanks for listening. If you had a good time, be sure to hit that subscribe button to get all the latest episodes. And if you had a really good time, leave a review to let us know what you thought. Until then, go gather some crazy stories on your job sites, and we'll see you next time on So You Want to Be a Contractor. <laughs>